1: On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon.
2: Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Fountain Hills, Arizona, and I'm so delighted to welcome you to the show today. I'm also excited to announce that the new and improved, as they say um, about soap, the new and improved self-improvement blog is finally up and running. There's still a lot of tweaking to be done, but take a look. I'd love to know what you think and hear any suggestions you might have on how to make it even better, how to put the things on that you're looking for. Go to the self improvementblog.com calm I'd be delighted to hear from you. Today we're going to talk about how to rewire your brain for better relationships. There was a time not so long ago before we had all this powerful imaging equipment and measuring equipment that we have now. We didn't know a lot about the brain and nervous system and it's still a, you know a really uh, open field for examination. We knew that babies deprived of loving touch failed to thrive, but we weren't sure how or why. We could see that loving relationships enhanced and accelerated healing, but that was also unexplained. But with the equipment we have now to study the brain and the nervous system and its responses, we're learning more and more about the ability of the brain and nervous system to respond, adjust, and adapt. One of the things we have learned is that people cannot thrive without loving relationships. In fact, we are hardwired for close relationships. Research can demonstrate that the key to more satisfying relationships, be it with a significant other, a family member, or a colleague, is to strengthen the neural pathways in our brains that encourage closeness and connection who knew this is something that many instinctively or intuitively knew but now it can be demonstrated today we're going to talk about the tools you need to strengthen the parts of your brain that encourage connection and how to heal those neural damaged um, the the neural damage that disconnection can and may have caused and yes we have an expert with us to help us to do that today Dr. Amy Banks graduated magna cum laude from Tufts University, earned her medical degree at Georgetown University, and continued her psychiatric training at the Massachusetts Mental Health Center. For those of you who may not be familiar with those schools, they are at the very top and probably the most challenging schools in the country. Amy was an instructor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, another one of those big schools, and is now the Director of Advanced Training at the Jean Baker Miller Training Institute at the Wellesley Centers for Women. She has a private practice in Lexington, Massachusetts, which specializes in relational pharma- psychopharmacology and therapy for people who suffer from chronic disconnection. She has devoted her career to understanding the neurobiology of relationships and most recently has been exploring the field of energy psychology as a way to understand how and why connections heal. It's been long in coming, but it's so needed. She is the author of Four Ways to Click, Rewire Your Brain, for Stronger, More Rewarding Relationships, and I am absolutely delighted and honored to welcome Dr. Amy Banks to the Self-Improvement Show. Amy, welcome.
3: Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here.
2: I'm so delighted. You know, I've I was in nursing most of my life, and then got into more holistic oriented um, health practices. And you really spoke to me in your book. But let's start at the beginning. Now, tell us about yourself. Who is Amy Banks? <laughs>
3: Well, I think probably the most important thing to say about myself is that, that I'm the mother of a uh, 17 year old twin, so I'm oh. in the throes of, uh, <laughs> You know, relationship and relationship development, uh, day in and day out, and it really has been the, the heart and soul of my life. Um, and it certainly sparks the curiosity that I have had for you know twenty, twenty five years now of really what what makes us connect. Why do we? Why are we pulled to connect? And how in the world have we created this culture, this American culture, that is built? in a way that undermines the very physiology that we need to thrive, right? So in a sense, we, we have this culture that, that tells us to separate and individuate and stand on our own two feet and be the king of the hill. And all of those messages actively undermine our capacity to connect and make us less healthy.
2: Well, and it seems, too, that the media puts a spin on connection and relationship that's not realistic, uh, yeah I don't know how young people are supposed to know what it is <laughs>
3: they're supposed to do no I think that I think that's absolutely true right um so you have a culture that that uh, pays lip service to relationship but doesn't kind of value it to the extent that we really teach kids very early, you know, solid relational skills, not just that, oh, you should connect and feel good, but really the hard work of relationship around navigating across difference and um, what do you do when you're in conflict and how do you actively listen and, you know, those things that really do make a difference, not just to a society, but actually to each little individual in the society.
2: Oh, I couldn't agree more. In fact, in the book, in the forward to your book, you make this statement, and you had me. It was like in the movie Jerry Maguire, you had me yes. at hello. You yes. had me at this statement. Relationships are not simply the icing on the cake for a life well lived. Relationships are the cake.
3: Yeah, I love that quote. And it's actually a quote from uh, Dan Siegel, who is one of the founding fathers of interpersonal neurobiology, who who uh, coined that phrase. And I, I agree. I, I love it. And it really does shift the focus, right, to, um, you know, you can stand on your own two feet and have some relationships that might help you f- feel good along the way to really the point is relationships, right, that, that we exist to connect
2: then we're not taught that and, and no you're absolutely right it's my opinion saying you're right yeah look at yes. that uh, you know we hear more and more about we're complete as we are yes mm-hmm.
3: and no yes. <laughs> you know,
2: yes we have everything it takes to form a good relationship with right. somebody else is, is more my take on it you say there's hard wiring throughout our brains and bodies Designed to help us engage in satisfying emotional connection with others, how much of this do we need to understand uh, to be able to do this? You know, how do you explain to somebody who knows very little about the brain that they're hardwired for mm-hmm. connection?
3: Yeah. No, I think it's. A, I think it's a great question. Um, And, you know, not everybody who uh, picks up the book or anybody who's out there living their lives are going to be neurology geeks or neuroscience geeks, as I would be or some other people. But what I will say is this, is that one of the things that I offer to folks in the book is, I think, a pretty simple way of thinking about, I've I've broken down some pretty sophisticated neuroscience information um, and broken it down into four primary pathways for connection that we all have and that are either strengthened when we're in healthy relationships or weakened when we're isolated right and that um knowing what these pathways are can uh help people just grasp some of the confusion that a lot of us do feel in relationships right so so what i've tried to do the the i've talked about the pathways i also have something that within the book called the care program and what i really hope to help people do is Yes, kind of understand that there are specific neural pathways in their brain that help them connect, but also to think about, well, how can, that, how can that information be useful, right? Um, and, and with that, I have this, uh, you know, 20-question relational assessment where they can literally take a look at how the relationships in her, their lives are impacting, what kind of forces are pushing against those pathways for connection or for them, and then in turn how these pathways for connection are helping to shape their relationship. And then, of course, finally, what can you do about it? right well, can you,
2: have you had a lot of people take that assessment do that I assessment i have had a lot of
3: people yeah i've i've had the the uh you know, privilege or uh, pleasure of uh, doing workshops where I have people take that. And I also have it available online at amybanksmd.com. And actually, uh, one of my children did the whole coding system so that people can go to that website and actually take the assessment uh, in real time right there, and it will self-tabulate.
2: I did not find that. I will definitely go there. And I don't have that uh, website, Amy Banks.
3: AmyBanksMD.com, Amy and it's got some information about the care program. You know, certainly it's got places that you can go to uh, by the book, but it, as I said, it also has this uh, assessment tool that people can uh, use to really get a snapshot of what their pathways for connection look like and, you know, how well they're doing in their relational world.
2: Are most people surprised by the results, or do they have sort of an inner-knowing
3: yeah that's I'll tell you okay what or not okay. so, that's a good, that's a very good question and I have to say that almost everybody has some surprise in it, and you know one of the surprises for for some people The idea is, and what I tell people in the instructions before they do the assessment, is to really, what you want to do is identify the people that you spend the most time with, right? So it's not necessarily the people that you even feel closest to, but but in terms of brain science, we know that... Kind of that one, one of the rules of brain change and brain science is use it or lose it. And if you translate that into kind of relational language, it means the more time you spend in a relationship, be it a strong one or a weak one, the more impact that is going to have on the, these pathways for connection, right? So some people will be sort of surprised like, oh dear, but it may make sense. When I get home from work, I feel so stressed out, and all of a sudden they see, geez, my boss scores very low. My relationship with my boss scores very low. And, of course, therefore, I feel so stressed. So, you know, or I've had uh, another example I use in the book, somebody who thought, had this kind of gut feeling or or desire to be very close to their mother. But when they really looked, broke down, and answer the questions uh, in the assessment, which really uh, give you some uh, clear information about um, characteristics of a healthy relationship, they they realize, geez, this actually isn't that strong of a relationship. And, you know, there were places in that that they could really see um, that they could improve.
2: And I would think it would be comforting in some ways to know that this This isn't a relationship that's, you know, gone wrong because it's my fault.
3: Exactly. Exactly. That's one of the things that I I say early on in the book. No relationship goes wrong for for just one person, right? relationships go wrong. There's at least two people involved.
2: Always. I hate to say it, but it's already time for us to go to break. Um, we have an awful lot to talk about, so let's go to break, and when we come back, we'll really get into it. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Dr. Amy Banks, saying stay tuned. We'll be right back.
4: Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who have turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand
1: 24-7. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlin. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at one 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self-improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon.
2: Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Where My guest today is Dr. Amy Banks, and we're talking about the brain and relationships. You now, some people think they're not connected, but actually they're very, very connected. Uh, we were talking about um, just the beginning of her, her great book. There's a number of questions that I came upon. One is you talk about the relational brain. You use that term, you know, a good bit.
3: Mm-hmm. Explain
2: what the relational brain is.
3: Well, what I mean by, by that is, is quite simply the fact that human beings are, you want know, to say, pack animals. And so that our entire physiology is, uh, works best when we are, in fact, embedded in healthy, nurturing relationships, um, and this extends from, you know, n- not just uh, issues around depression, anxiety, but literally down to the physiology. Um, one of the pathways that I often uh, highlight is called the, I call it the C pathway on the care program, but it's the smart vagus nerve, and What research has shown is that the smart vagus nerve is a new branch of the uh, autonomic nervous system, which is kind of like the automatic nervous system. And most people think of um, the sympathetic fight-or-flight response or the parasympathetic freeze response as sort of our our interactions with the environment, sort of our automatic interactions. And apparently about 50,000 years ago, the smart vagus developed and it innervates the muscles of facial expression, those, you know, your eyebrows, those little muscles in your ear, inner ear, your throat, your swallowing um, effect. And what happens is it's, it's a uh, stress modulator so that when we go out and we're embedded in healthy relationship or you meet somebody that's friendly, Usually you smile, your eyebrows go up, you listen a little more intently, you talk, and all of those things send a signal through this smart vagus nerve to your stress response system that says stand down. So literally relationships, as one concrete way that relationships, healthy relationships can help you feel calmer. And what we know is when your stress levels are lower, when the cortisol levels are lower, that in fact your immune system is stronger, Right? And your immune system, of course, is what fights illnesses. So people that are isolated get sick much more often. People that are in strong relationships are more robust.
2: And that's why you say healthy relationships equal a healthy body.
3: Exactly. Now, there are
2: a lot of a lot of different people claiming that what they do is equal a healthy body. Uh, but i I, I, to, I have to agree that when we're working with people who are are alone, they have no one, no one to come and see them, no one to visit, no mm-hmm. one who calls. Uh, it's much more difficult to to get their health picture turned around.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And the literature on that is really robust. Actually, there was a book by uh, Dean Ornish, who was the cardiac guy, yes. uh, called Love and Survival, and he really documents this... this uh, you know, thing that's so unique to humans that when we are alone and isolated we die more often, we uh from all kinds of illnesses. You know, not just depression and anxiety, but all kinds of illnesses. You
2: know, you think about those of us who are older and I'm way up there. Um, yeah, good for, good for friend- you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really
2: am up there. Uh yes. our our friends are gone. It's not yes. that we didn't have friends all our lives, but some of them have know already passed away and we're left our family's busy Um, and and it's interesting you know I I have a dog we go to the dog park every day and walk and everybody there is as old as I am almost Uh and and we have some wonderful friends there but if I didn't even the dog would be some kind of companionship and we have great conversations I, mm-hmm. I can understand I did not understand this when I was younger, but now I'm beginning to get it that somebody with you, even if it's a dog, a cat, or whatever your choice animal is, that's help. I mean, yeah. it, is, yeah. is that and you enough? Know-
3: And, of course, one of the things that is interesting about human beings is that we have this capacity to kind of imagine and to visualize, right, so that in these pathways for connection, if we've really been immersed in healthy connection most of our lives, then we're able, we don't have to have the person side by side every moment, right? We have the ability to carry them literally inside of us um, and, uh, you know, and have, you know, periodic uh, contact and really, you know, get get the strength that that allows us. But the other thing I would say is that we're also seeing that you know, certainly in dogs, particularly, uh, very much stimulate some of these pathways for connection.
2: No, I I know nursing homes want want yep. family to to bring in the animal if the yeah. if the person that they're visiting had yep. one or you know they encourage. People to come in with their special dog or whatever mm-hmm, animal mm-hmm, is that yep. is calm enough to visit. Um,
3: yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: And you see the, the older people thrive by being licked, by, the, by being licked, literally yeah, licked by yeah. the dog.
3: Literally, um, yep.
2: A, a lovely thing. Yeah. And we yeah. see people shrivel up when they don't have anybody or anything to love no matter what they say, that they don't need it. Yeah. It's an interesting, interesting thing that we are. You use the acronym CARE, and you talked about this very briefly before the break. You talk about the benefits related to specific neural pathways. Um, what does CARE stand for,
3: and why are these neural pathways important? Well, they're important because they really give us um, some concrete information about how we function, right? You know, sort of the same way I I sort of once thought about how we teach little kids, okay, this is your nose, it's for sniffing, this is your, you know, these are your ears for hearing. You know, and your brain has such complex uh, actions and activities. And to really have kids begin to really understand that, A, they are built to be in healthy connection, not separate and independent, and, B, that their brain really helps determine how that happens and that they, by taking care of it, right, they wouldn't stick things in their ears or their nose. They learn that. And so there are certain things you don't want to do with your brain. So what I've done with the CARE uh, mnemonic or acronym, if you will, is to just break down, as I said earlier, sophisticated neuroscience into these four pathways. And C-A-R-E stands for each pathway. Just before the break, I shared that information about the C pathway, which I call the calm pathway, and it's the kind of um, calm sense that you can get in healthy relationship by the activity of the smart vagus. The second pathway, the A neural pathway, a stands for a sense of acceptedness that people have when they feel like they belong or are accepted in their healthy relationships. And this refers to, to fascinating research that shows that they did, uh, researchers looked at what area of the brain lights up when somebody is being socially rejected. And the area is this and people don't need to know the actual details of, or the name, the dorsal anterior cingulate gyrus. The most important thing about this is it's the exact same area of the brain that lights up with the distress of physical pain, right? So that yes. for human beings, being, it is so important to be uh, in community, in healthy, you know, in your tribe, if you will, that. It's, it's kind of, uh, this. it shares the same common pathway with any kind of pain or, or illness. Does that make sense?
2: Oh, it makes perfect
3: sense. <laughs> right. So it's like you have this little alarm center that's going to go off if you've got your hand on the stove, but it's also going to go off if you're being socially excluded.
2: That's... And we have people who discount that so greatly, especially yes. for children who are left out. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, don't worry about that. You'll grow out of it kind that's of right. statements.
3: That's right. That's here. right. And in fact, when we build a culture that's so focused on separation and individuation, I, at my, one of my arguments is that, in fact, we don't learn how to do the bridging that we need to across difference, right? And so that when you come into contact with gr- difference, often what happens is that it's immediately judged and then stratified. And I think that very stratification process of who's, who's good, who's bad, who's better, who's, you know, um, actually leads to a chronic sense of being left out, right? Um, so that we have a system in place that sort of feeds that anxiety and that worry and that pain chronically. Yeah.
2: And I hate to bring up the media again. I guess it's one of my soapboxes. Yeah. But it seems that they it's a divide-and-conquer thing with the media. If you're not like this celebrity or that yes. star or, you know, you weigh over this amount, mm-hmm. uh, you're not okay.
3: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, the, yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, again, I, I, I would talk about not just the media but the whole culture, right? That's a culture that feeds into this idea that if you have the most power... You are going, you are kind of by definition the best, and you can get that power by, you know, being a certain weight, a certain height, a certain look. You could have a certain amount of money or stuff, you know, all of these things that really are peripheral to who you are as a person, right? But in a culture that is all about, uh, consumerism and money and, you know, all of that, then, then these are, these are concrete values that get put on people unfairly.
2: Unfairly. It's interesting. I One of the things that I've been noticing in the last few years is how many times the word real people, these are real people. Yeah. So I finally yeah. wrote an article out and just put it on the blog yesterday. Who are yeah. the real people? Yeah. You know, right, right. Does this exactly. mean that movie stars or the famous are not real? Exactly. Or, I mean, yeah, you can go That's all right. kinds of places with that. But isn't it an interesting thing that we have to separate some people out as real, as yeah. opposed to to what? You know, I've never figured out what the others what the flip
3: side is. Right. Is it
2: unreal? Right, right, is it, right. Is it, right.
3: Is it a, what? Right. If you're you're real or you're not real. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And that comes well,
2: right in here with a feeling of being accepted, and and I know little girls especially think oh, I can never be like that.
3: Exactly. Exactly. Right. Because I mean, uh, who can? And in fact, the people that are like that can't be like that. No.
2: No. They can't. <laughs> right.
3: I mean, that's the the irony. Right? Is that the uh, the people that are that are like that aren't like that? Um. You know, it's all so manipulated.
2: Oh yes, and that takes us to the R.
3: So R stands, yeah. R stands for the sense of resonance that people um have in healthy relationship, and that is, uh. Talk, that talks about or references um, work that has been done uh, on something called the mirror neuron system, and what come to find out, the way that we know each other is far more kind of spontaneous and intuitive than than anyone ever thought. Well, not anyone, but the sort of powers that be ever thought. And so we have this these. Um, what happens is we have these networks within our, our brains that actually mimic other people's uh, behaviors, motions, feelings, literally on a cellular level so that you, in order for me to understand you and to know you, I make a little internal, um, I copy it internally, right? Um, so I have a sense in my body, in my mind, immediately what you're thinking, what you're feeling, um, you know, what you're sensing. Uh, so it's this idea that when your mirror neuron system is finely tuned, you have a very easy ability to read other people's actions, intentions, and feelings and, and also be read by other people. And that's one of the key, um, you know, characteristics of a healthy uh, nervous system and a, and a healthy relationship. So
2: is this where empathy comes in, is in the mirroring? Yeah.
3: Yes, exactly. So, so it, it extends from not only like if you're reaching for a cup of coffee, that I kind of know you're reaching for a cup of coffee because in my mind I'm reaching too, but it also extends to the visceral feelings that happen within me as I see you in some state of emotion. Absolutely. You know,
2: the the similarity between this and, and what they're teaching in quantum physics is so close. Yes. And, and I, I, I kept going back to the little I know and understand about quantum physics as I read the things you had written about how we get close to other people. Mm-hmm. Now, is there, I mean, I, I have an idea your understanding of quantum physics is much clearer than mine. <laughs> but do you see
3: this? <laughs> well, it's it's something that I've been quite interested in because I think it does speak to a lot of the ways that we are connected energetically. And in fact, you know, one of my one of my um, one of the interesting binds in writing the book was sort of focusing on the cellular and not the even the energetic, right? Um, of exactly. the ways that these pathways are, are stimulated.
2: Yeah, and and I also had to think of uh, I've had several. People who were psychics, yep, in the best sense of the term, yep, yep. A- who talked about the research there and how people could get other people's feelings and thoughts, even though they were miles and miles apart and mm-hmm. locked down in um, yeah. ironclad type rooms or lead, you know, coated rooms, so yep. nothing could get through, and yet they still knew.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's yeah, that's that no, and I, I'm very familiar, yeah, with the the with those studies, and they're uh, they are just simply fascinating, right? I so saying. I think that you know, I, I, I at one point, and I don't know if this is still true. I've often thought this is this is the first book in a series that ends somewhere out there, you know.
2: Yeah, I have to think you're right. Uh, yeah. I, I, it would be so wonderful if we could ever get the whole picture. Yeah. together yeah. And, and and maybe at some point somebody will but i you know i think you've really started the ball rolling in that
3: direction yeah, thank you i
2: mean yeah. it's just it when i got into it i'm thinking oh wow this is so good this is so amazing
3: yeah, um, thank you i really appreciate that
2: yeah oh, uh, you know i i it's um it's a whole new look at who we are and I'm already so in awe of the human being and all the amazing ways we're put together that this is just one more piece that leaves me in awe Mm -hmm. Uh, we're ready for the
3: E so the E Stands for um, the sense of energy or, uh, that one experiences in a good relationship. And um, one of my uh, longtime mentors, Jean Baker Miller, uh, actually. Describe the five good things in a growth fostering relationship just for people to know kind of concretely. And the first thing she said is that, the, you know, in a growth fostering relationship, you have a sense of energy, or she called it zest, which I love, but it didn't go in the care program. Uh, the C-A-R-E. No, no, it, you couldn't do Z. So, but what that stands for is the degree to which your dopamine reward system is, stays attached to healthy relationships. And what I mean by that is that we all have this dopamine that when we do something like originally when we 're you know infants when we first come out, when we do something that 's healthy for not for ourselves or like nurturance uh, or drinking water or eating food, actually sex does it as well but when that when we have something like that going on, we get a little hit of dopamine, and what that does is it gives us a little a little bit of euphoria, but also some motivation and energy to literally keep keep doing the things that we're doing, right, to kind of be out in our lives. Now, so that's just the standard uh, thing that we're born with. And that is is that when you put a person into a culture that's so focused on separation and individuation, I think you begin to separate. You take healthy human relationship and nurturance out of that equation, right? And then the dilemma is that you will people are still going to want dopamine, and so they go looking for other ways to get dopamine, and unfortunately in our culture, we have so many. We drugs of addiction will do it, you know, anything, you know, risk taking, novelty, novelty, any any kind of addiction, literally. But I've I've often thought that I think, you know, when we when we minimize relationships, when we don't teach relationships, people are, are then dependent on all kinds of other things for their dopamine reward system.
2: Yep, you have to be touched some way, you know, yes. even if it's by drugs.
3: Yes, yes, well, exactly. You, exactly. You say
2: that the CARE program will help you use, and this is right out of the book, use psychological yep. and relational neuroscience Mm-hmm. To melt away, I love the melt away unwanted neural pathways and create new ones so it's easier for you to forge healthy connections. Are you saying that when you feel loved, healing happens? Is, is that the gist here? I'm sure there's much more to it than that, but um, you can literally melt away these pathways and, and build new ones.
3: Yeah, that is what I'm saying, and, you know, that comes from really what we're learning in the field of something called neuroplasticity, which is a, you know, a, a, a typically a, a long way of saying brain change, right? And what we're learning is that the brain is almost infinitely plastic. You can change it throughout life, you know, right to the day you die, Um and once we know that, then it's sort of incumbent upon us to really kind of dissect and think about how how do we change the brain. Um, and so I am talking about literally rewiring the brain, right? And uh, we know there are a couple of rules. Use it or lose it, which I talked about earlier, which is simply right. when you, when you um, stimulate a pathway over and over again, it gets stronger. Um, and when you stop stimulating it, it gets weaker and it it shrinks down and then neurons that fire together wire together and that's kind of when you when two things are being stimulated at the si- same time they kind of build little neural networks they're interconnected and one of the examples i use in relationships is the idea of you know kids that grow up in perhaps abusive homes right where they're learning quite literally you know they somebody is saying i love you and then they hit them right yeah. um, those literally get wired together. Number one, the user lose it means when you, every time you've gotten hit, right, your stress response is getting a workout. Your sympathetic nervous system is getting stronger and stronger, and and what that means is is that usually your smart vagus is getting weaker and weaker, right, because it's more important to be on guard and to protect yourself than it is to connect. So that gets bigger, and then love becomes connected to abuse. And then those folks will go out. And that's the relational template they have, right? And, and so they think get love very is
2: abusive, and they continue the practice. Is that how that works? Say that again. They, they go out. They've learned in their home that abuse equals love, so they go out and
3: abuse... To be loved? Is that how that works? Yeah, well, yeah, they get the relationships in that case get very confusing, right? And, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's what's familiar. And this is the template then they take out into the world and they may go out depending on who they are and how this is all, why they may go out and maybe they find abusive relationships, or maybe they happen into one and then stay in it much longer than need be because they don't identify, you know, because it's so confusing. Um, maybe sometimes they become the perpetrators themselves, but, you know, getting locked into these, um, you know, kind of n- predetermined states of relationship and kind of not knowing that at, at that point it's literally programmed in you.
2: How do they, I, I guess I want to ask, how do people who are taught things like love mm-hmm. and abuse are wired together, or they learned love and abuse are, tie, are wired together in their brain, at some point, something must need to make them
3: aware that it's not always so,
2: that that may
3: not be yes. a true Yes, program. absolutely, Right um I, I'm, I'm thinking and hoping I've said throughout the book, one of the major things is in order to change, you have to first start with an awareness, right? And for some people, the, the, the awareness on the relational, on this little relational trajectory or journey is going to, can, might be different for different people. For somebody who has really suffered, you know, with abuse in childhood, the awareness may be A, what does a healthy relationship look like, right? First and foremost, how would I even identify one because I didn't have one and I haven't had one, right? And so, you know, um, Jean Baker Miller again had talked about the five good things, and I use these, that when you're in a healthy relationship, you have an increased sense of energy. You have a clarity about yourself, the other person, and the relationship. You have more ability to act. In fact, you do act, whether it's Speaking up in the relationship or out in the world, you have an increased sense of value in yourself, the other person, and then the fifth one is that you uh, have a desire for more connection. What you see in abuse is literally the opposite: Paral- uh, paralysis, lack of clarity, uh, you know, not being able to do much of anything, no energy, uh, you know, in really isolation, and so. So for a person that's been abused, that that may be the place to start is this is what a good relationship is, and let's look at the relationships in your life, right? Let's look at them compared to this um, and build a sense of awareness. For other people, it might be, boy, uh, you know, I want to know how my pathways for connection, what, what, what level are they at? You know, that's where they can go into the CARE score, and they might, might see, geez, according to this... My C score, my, my Smart Vegas measure is kind of in the middle, and that may mean that when I go out into environments, I feel kind of a little bit more anxiety in unfamiliar environments, right? I feel a little tension or anxiety than maybe even need be, right? Right. Um, so, it's, so the first thing always starts with awareness.
2: Oh, that's, a, that's pretty much the starting place for everything we need to improve. Yes, and, absolutely. And so then where do they start? You know, let's say I recognize that I really um, need to make some changes. Uh, my relationships are not what they what, what I want them to be, what I see around me in some other people's relationships. I don't have that. What yep. would you tell me to do as a starting place to get my wa- my brain free-wired? Where would I go? What would I do? <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm going to send you first, you know, to either the bookstore to get my book uh, or... <laughs> Or to the website, to, to amybankmd.com. And
2: I really tell people, recommend that everybody get this book. This is not a hard <laughs> book to you. read.
3: You thank know. you. Yes, you but said Even if it's you taught
2: at Harvard, say. you can still read the. <laughs> you can rewrote a book that people can understand. Yes, thank and you. I thank for you, you for to, that. You just because it this is I, important
3: information. But literally, what Uh-oh. I would have them do, I think, is to try to see where they land, if they take that relational assessment, they're going to be able to do two things with it. One, they're going to look at their relationships. I actually have people um, kind of look at their relationships on a scale of low safety to high safety. And when you really are taking on the hard work of trying to move and build these pathways and actually change your relationships one of the things you want to do is make sure that you're not setting yourself up, right? And one of the classic things that I see happen in my therapy work with people is that they will be working very concretely on healthy relational skills and all that, and then they'll go and try something new. They'll go and take a risk, but they'll do it in one of their most unhealthy relationships, right? And then it fails, and then there's this feedback loop of, I can't change it, I, I, I never will change it, right? So, You know, I'm a big supporter of, uh, you know, trying to maximize the chances of success, right? Because our brain actually light when we succeed at something. Like, if I'm going to go out and try to be a little more vulnerable, share something maybe that happened this week that I wouldn't necessarily share with a close friend, a partner, whatever, um, I want to, you know, I want to maximize my chances of success. So I want to pick somebody who's, you know, more often than not, going to be able to tolerate that, right? Um, And then that builds on itself. You, You shared, okay, that's good. So they're going to look at their relationships, the actual relationships in their lives through this lens of low safety to high safety and try to get some clarity about the people in their lives. Then they're going to have, they're going to find their care scores and they're going to see, okay, how am I doing along certain of these parameters? Do I have an alarm system, for instance, that is telling me constantly that I'm being left out? Maybe even when I'm not, right? Maybe I was left out so much as a kid, I was bullied, I was teased, that that's just going on and it's there all the time, right? And in the book, there are certain exercises that you can do for for either one, you know, for any one of these. uh, Exactly. On that
2: note, we need to take a short break. This is Irene Connor with my guest, Dr. Amy Banks, saying, Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
4: Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Lanise Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenise and her expert guests who have turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN.
1: You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon.
2: Welcome back to the self improvement show. My guest today is Dr. Amy Banks. We're talking about rewiring the brain for relationships, Um, and I really encourage you to get her book, Four Ways to Click, Rewire Your Brain for Stronger, More Rewarding Relationships. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it uh, on, uh, there's another book that that you just brought out, is it the same book
3: Yes, yeah, so of... so Four Ways to Click. That I want to make that clear to, to folks. Four Ways to Click was the hard copy version of Wired to Connect. So the book, if people are going to buy it at this point, I'm assuming they're going to want to buy the um, paperback version, which is called Wired to Connect.
2: And, and I, I've got it on a Kindle. I, I like it on the Kindle, but I think I would really love it in a, a copy because I tend yeah. to make notes. It's a good markup book, and... I think. Uh, yeah, it's a good markup book. Uh, any way you get it, you'll be far ahead because you did. Um, really recommend this book. Thank you. You talk about, and I love this, you talk about the physically fit brain, and I got these little images of the brain going to the gym, and um, what is a physically fit brain and is there a brain gym or a training program that will help us get physically fit
3: yeah no I, you know i i sort of end the, i end the book there maintain your yes. your brain with the idea that these pathways for connection um you know are are need to be tended to not just by stimulating them with uh healthy relationships that's a piece of it but that your brain just works better when you have a kind of brain maintenance program and you know a lot of the things that I suggest are um, aren't difficult to do basically and and, there's things we
2: should be doing for our general health
3: yeah exactly exactly so it's a win-win so for instance at the, I know at the break you had said, "What drink water?" I mean that's a simple one, which is you know to to imagine that these the pathways that are being stimulated are literally you know chemical electrical, electrical uh, currents that need that actually work better when the brain is, is kind of plump with with fluid, right? So we want people to have you know to to not be dehydrated, basically. You know, drink those eight cups of water a day. But there are, um, you know, a whole host of other things. I talk about, you know, the very clear uh, research that now shows that exercising physically exercises your brain as well. It uh, enhances something called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which helps you build new pathways uh, for thinking, learning, memory, connection, you name it. Those are a couple of things that I highly recommend people do.
2: And one that surprised me, we don't need to go through all nine of them, but one that surprised me was spend time in the sun. Hadn't thought about that. I always thought in Arizona it's going to bake my brain.
3: Well, no, it's not going to shrink your your brain. And you know, one of the things that we've found, found that with all of this uh, pressure, right, to use um, sunscreen things so nobody gets melanoma, what we've done is we've lowered our vitamin D levels. And vitamin D is a is a precursor to a lot of the uh, pathways needed in brain functioning. And so, um, so. Moderation, you know that's the other thing that that is so important is moderation. you know, no, we don't want you out there frying yourself, but going on an on a walk on a even on a nice you know kind of winter day and being out in the sun is really important to your brain health,
2: and then there's sleep
3: there's other things I know, and one yes. thing that I think is so 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 um, so hard people to do in our culture, because we're so fast-paced, is get enough sleep. It is clear that, you know, your brain, those cells need to rest. They need to, you know, relax and kind of recharge, literally.
2: And you talk about a few foods that are good for your brain. Um, I I wasn't surprised with any of these, except um, a freshly brewed tea kind of surprised me, but I, I loved your suggestion to eat dark chocolate,
3: yeah, yeah, well there's yeah that i that idea that um that you know that a bit of caffeine is actually pretty good for you, it kind of stimulates the yeah. blood flow and gets things going in your brain, and that is actually uh pretty good
2: and this is another reason to buy this book because she recommends that you eat chocolate and <laughs> exactly
3: dark proof chocolate
2: <laughs> in this book. By a doctor that you should have chocolate. Let's talk That's right. And
3: I, I, I'm, I'm looking at that little section and actually what, what I say in the book, and it pulls off a hat trick, with, it actually yes. stimulates endorphins, caffeine, as well as antioxidants. So that dark chocolate really is, uh, really is kind of a good way to go.
2: Yep, and now you have it on authority. <laughs> Talk a little bit about brain training programs. You know, there's a number of them out there. Do you recommend any one in
3: particular, or you know, are they all about the same? Yeah. Well, you know the, what? What I have, uh, what I've mentioned in the book is something um, is more of a design protocol for. Um, for programs that you can do, computer programs that actually will maximize um, brain change. And it, it's by Michael Merzenich, who is one of the pioneers of brain change, literally neuroplasticity, and he has talks about something called the SAGE protocol. And what that means is that anything, like if you just do crossword puzzles over and over again, you're going to get good at crossword puzzles. It doesn't necessarily generalize. And so what he talks about is SAGE, which is, um, first is S is for speed. As your ba- brain age age ages, the electrical transmission flows. So a good activity wants to increase your thinking speed, right? Another one is accuracy. Another one is that the program should change and adapt to the level that you're on. Um, a third one is called general, generalizability so that um, you want to be able to you know like you do the exercise and then it actually has real world applications right and then the final is for engagement and what that means is that you really it it engages you in a way that it's it, that it is enjoyable and delightful it stimulates something called the nucleus basalis, basalis which actually allows you to learn more easily and so um I, I, so I talk to people about that. There's there is one company called Lumosity, which I oh I love know. them. Yes. What's what?
2: I love them.
3: Yeah, and they've they've been out for a long time, and, and they do fit fit these uh, criteria. Um, and it happens to be a program I personally used act, after having chemotherapy and really having chemo brain, and found that yeah. it really did improve in a lot of areas. So it's one that I use, um, I but it's by you. no means the only one out there.
2: I hate to tell you this, but we are at the very, very end of the show. What's the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today?
3: What I'd like to leave with people is the thought that, number one, um, we are all built to be our healthiest, best selves in relationship. And for anybody living in this country, we are uh, in a culture that undermines that. And so what I want to say is for people to reach out to others, to uh, really really grasp this idea and and embrace this idea because I think together, collectively, we can and need to do a cultural uh, correction that really puts relationships back in the center of our lives.
2: And you've taken us a step closer to being able to do that. Amy, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks
3: so much for having me. I appreciate it. Have a good night.
2: Absolutely. Wonderful new things to think about this is Irene Conlon with my guest Dr. Amy Banks saying thank you so much for being with us today and come back next week for more of the self-improvement show
1: thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the self-improvement show please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m eastern time 1 p.m pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel Remember, that improvement out there starts in here.